Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. And my name is Jamie Loftus. And this is part two of our Lord of the Rings trilogy episode. Hey, Caitlin, did you know that movie trilogy is really fucking long? I did know that. That passed the Bechdel test. If you don't know what that is, get with the program. Just kidding. But if you uh, haven't listened to episode one of the Lord of the Rings podcast, we, we recommend, you know, maybe go back to part one. Yeah, Listen to there. it through. And, and this is part two. I mean, if you just want to listen to this one, that would sort of be like starting in the middle of Lord of the Rings Two Towers and what? then only watching that and Which rest. honestly... Not to betray my opinion of this trilogy would be totally fine. Nothing happens the entire movie, so it doesn't even matter. Uh, disagree. All kinds of things happen. Uh, clearly, you don't remember Gollum trying I to... <laughs> anyway, so uh, this is part two. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one, we recommend going and doing that first. But otherwise... But do you. You do you. Your body, your choice. Here's part two. So that brings us to Eowyn. She is introduced for the first time in the second movie. She is the niece of King Theoden of Rohan. Why do their names rhyme? (laughs) (laughs) Like we said, her whole thing is that she wants to fight. All the men get to fight. Women are, you know, perceived as being helpless in this universe and that they have to be protected. But she is a skilled sword fighter and she wants to do her part in this fight, in this war, this impending war. Right. Mm -hmm. But then she meets Aragorn and she's like, who's that? (laughs) And now all of a sudden there's a love triangle between Aragorn, Arwen, and Eowyn that has almost no tension in it. This is like the most boring love triangle in the entire world. It is because it's so clear that Aragorn is not interested. Right. From moment one. And again, in, in the same gender neutral way that this whole story plays out, we see her hurt being rejected by Viggo Mortensen, as everyone at the table knows, we've all been rejected <laughs> by Viggo Mortensen. It doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great. But, but he's not mean to her. It's not, and, and there's never a particular sexual tension between them in the first place. So it's almost just like it's a crush that is unrequited. Right. And so that is not particularly compelling to watch. Yeah. Right. But like this introduction of like, her really kind of falling in love with him or maybe just having like a crush does not need to be there. She serves no. another function in the story. 
so for her to it's way more also compelling. be in love with a man, I think like really sells out her character and for yeah. sure. And we also get one of my favorite sellouts of the female character who is allowed to do anything because I think Eowyn by far is the most active for female sure. character and yeah. she still basically has no impact on the plot, but you know, she's the most active by far and there's that scene where she has a sword and it's the first time we're seeing her wield a sword and Aragorn like notices and is like, hey, you can do what the boys do. And she's like, <laughs> I know, pretty cool, right? But I'll be humble and shy about it. And mm. then because he's the, I think that we're to believe because he's the first man who has acknowledged she's doing it at all and doesn't really say like, you're really good at that and I respect you. But he doesn't not say that. And I think that that is like for us supposed to be the entry point of like, she likes him because he's the only man she's ever met who hasn't negged her for her interest. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's like the root of her interest in him is like, well, he didn't say I sucked right. like every man in my life does. Yeah. So I guess I love him. Like, hey, that's relatable. That's bleak. how I date. Yeah. It's true. I'm just like, are you not yelling at me? Cool, we're married. Yeah. Um, and then there's more to talk about with her character, but where her story ends in the one of 800 conclusions of this trilogy, she gets paired up with Faramir because Aragorn rejects her, so she has to end up with some man. So they place her next to Faramir. They might, they like give each other a little like cutie eye. I think (laughs) there's a moment in... I hate that. Like the the last minute, like, don't worry, she's still going to fuck a guy. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh no, we weren't freaking out about it. Actually, we were fine. Yeah. (laughs) So they get paired up and uh, heteronormativity is alive and well. So I kind of want to just kind of go through each of the movies and point out a few different things we see in terms of, you know, the gender dynamics. Mm -hmm. So in The Fellowship of the Ring, again, we open with a a woman's voice. We've got Galadriel being sort of like like, omniscient narrator. But she She disappears for long periods of time. Like the the narration is very inconsistent in the movie. Mm -hmm. That definitely. And then when she does appear on screen again throughout the movies, it seldom happens. And then... It's, it's used, like again, to deliver exposition. Narrator IRL. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I guess you could argue that it's cool that, like, a woman is given, like, an omniscient point of view. No. Sort of, but no. Yeah. There, <laughs> but, there is a retelling of this movie that puts her as the omniscient being. Because that's really what was implied, I think, mm-hmm. to a degree. Like, oh, this is giving it too much credit. But by making her the narrator, it's as if she's, like, speaking, like... This is how it all happened. Mm-hmm. So maybe in the future of Middle Earth, she became the king of the world. She became maybe. the storyteller. She's like, hey, everybody, you want to hear a story about 500 guys I met? <laughs> she becomes the new Gandalf. That's kind of what he does. Right. Yeah. It, it'll only mm. take 10 hours of your time. <laughs> and everyone's like, no, I don't. I'm yeah, good. We're going to dance. <laughs> Um, there is a moment uh, very early on in the first movie where, like, Gandalf is, like, riding through the Shire, and um, there's, like, all these children who are like, Gandalf, play some fireworks. And he's like, okay. And then <laughs> there's, like, a hobbit couple, and the man is like, tee-hee-hee, I like fireworks too. And then his wife shows up, and she's scowling because women be shrews, as we know. <laughs> yeah. And then he has to pretend like he's not having fun and not enjoying the fireworks. And it's supposed to be like this ha-ha comical moment. But the first depiction of a woman you see on screen is a shrewish hobbit lady. So I feel like that really sets the tone for the whole... Yeah, and aren't... <laughs> Wait a minute. And that doesn't make any sense because hobbits are supposed to be so joyful. Right. And love fun. Exactly. So what's this woman crashing the party for? Well... She's a no, woman, so she can't have fun. She can't have fun. Yeah, women are not having fun in this in this series. No, <laughs> no. women are not giggling. They're, well, I guess they go to Bilbo's party. Yeah. yeah, but that's a few minutes of screen time, and then yeah. we hardly see those yeah. characters again. Sam's wife has fun. I mean, she once had to she marries. push out a lot of kids. Yeah, once she know. starts t-shirt gunning <laughs> out Sam's kid. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually in the extended version. I He's, saw you. Mm. You see Sam's wife give birth, and it's. It's uh, like, like a machine gun of 
baby habit. progressive moment in cinema yeah 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 you know because they show it from below right 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 yeah <laughs> so there's a baby it's basically a biology <laughs> yeah it, it, that's and that's in the 3d version that is well. in the 3d it's, it's we're more like hobbits than you would think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah when you see it up close <laughs> So, okay, when we first meet Arwen on screen, again, it's not until over an hour into the movie. It's established that she and Aragorn know each other, but it's not, we're not quite sure how or what, in what context. Her introduction is a little cool because we do meet her by her holding a sword up to Aragorn's neck. Very hot. Yes. So she is threatening his life. But then a few scenes later, you're like, oh, they're basically engaged to be married. So... So it was just it's like a empty. little. It was like a little thing they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I wasn't into Vigo watching that movie, but I think my little whatever I was nine years old self was like, ooh, yeah. You're like, oh, this is kind of what? Ooh, what's huh? happening? Yes. <laughs> and then, but then a few minutes. Yeah, think about this later. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, it's gonna be a few years before I can unpack this fully. Yes. <laughs> so then, a few moments later in the movie, she's like riding up on a horse there's like angelic music her dress is white even though when it cuts to a moment later in the same exact scene she's wearing a different dress but she's like she comes in as this like (laughs) angel savior to like save frodo's life she's literally glowing yes she and galadriel are never not glowing although gandalf glows too sometimes Gandalf does glow. He has his, but but he does, but never. But Isn't he Gandalf not in the, the white? When he's Gandalf the white, right? Yeah. For that one scene, but the, most of the time we see him on screen, he's he's dull. Old. Yeah, he's. <laughs> not I mean, glowing. and to be fair, all men are dull, uh, <laughs> and all women are radiant and perfect. True. However, Except for... and and also uh, the we we don't see women who are not fabulously wealthy and conventionally attractive glow we do not see mm. poor people when when there are women on screen who are meant to be poor they do not glow hobbit right. women yeah. hobbit women do not glow yeah like if you are hot hot royalty you glow and even then it's i i feel like the only reason that aon is not depicted in this way is because with Arwen and Galadriel, they're supposed to be these like virginal mm. women and objects of desire where we're, I sort of interpreted we're intended to see Eowyn, Eowyn, Eowyn McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to see Eowyn as more of a girl. Uh, I don't think we're mm. encouraged to view her as like a sexual being in the same way we're encouraged to see the other two. But make no mistake, she's still part of a royal family because her uncle is the king. So she's still, she's royalty and she's still conventionally by Western beauty standards attractive. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we only get beautiful women and the range in male characters. I mean, I know that's a complaint on all movies, Mm -hmm. but the range in male characters, man, you have a whole species of thing that is ugly yeah dwarfs you you got i mean there's there there is every well i mean i you can't extend it to color there are white men of every shape and size (laughs) in this Mm -hmm. film franchise there's every kind of white man you could ever encounter in your entire life yeah you got legolas you got the hacker you got you got you got got frodo you got figwit you got Figwit, the Brett McKenzie character. <laughs> there's short hair. There's also long hair. There's old. hairy feet. There's smooth feet. Old, yes. not old. Mm-hmm. Wizards, mm-hmm. sometimes not wizards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next thing that uh, I think is worth noting that happens in the first movie is that we learn about the Urukai and how they exist, which is that Saruman, the bad wizard, not to be confused with Sauron, the eye, <laughs> Um, he is breeding orcs and goblin men to make this like super race of crazy warriors, like great fighters, all this stuff. They take women out of the equation. There does not need to be wombs. Yeah, they right. are born as adults. Yeah. They hatch kind of. They hatch out of this like pile of mud poop, pl- mud placenta. <laughs> Like placenta is a way more. I wouldn't give it placenta. There's no placenta there. It's right. It's that just implies mud. A woman. Yeah. Right. It's just like a pile of mud. That yeah. Love that band. Mud covered. Puddle in... of mud. Whoops. <laughs> I like puddle of poop. Lesser known. Yeah. There's some like come. saran wrap covered in muddy poop, and that's <laughs> they break out of that, and suddenly they're born. So that like 
Sure, sure. That's how you breed urukai. Fun way Fun. to cut women out of the narrative. Right, right, well, right. Maybe. I mean, this is also anti-feminist, but maybe the implication is that because they're making the worst kind of obedient like creature, they can't have women because that would be too good. But you know, that puts that's not. Good. Yeah, so I'm I'm reaching. Why yeah. am I trying to defend? Why am I trying to defend Lord <laughs> of the Rings? Because <laughs> it's garbage. It doesn't deserve <laughs> but it. But there, but this is the kind of. I think this is definitely the kind of like franchise that you try to find a way to want to defend because yeah. it isn't aggressive towards women. It just leaves them out, and so it's harder. I feel like it's a little harder to reconcile. Yeah, it's not offensive. It's not grotesquely offensive. It's just so, so. It's a silent killer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> omitting. Um, and then uh, there's there's a fun moment in uh, Rivendell, one of the elf cities, where Gandalf is like, hey, Elrond, uh, actually, it's like men folk who we should like be trusting and like putting our faith in men to rule the fate of, you know, Middle Earth. And Did he mean gender men or human men? He, like, like the, humans. He, the race of men as yeah. opposed to the race of elves or dwarves. So that's what he means. But then Elrond responds, men, men are weak. So I think Elrond is a feminist icon. This is just <laughs> all to say, the feminist icon, Elrond, but which sounds a little too much like Elrond Hubbard. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Elrond Hubbard. Uh, Elrond, <laughs> one name. Yeah. So that's, for me, that w- those were like the notable things in terms of gender in the first movie, where we're introduced to Arwen and Galadriel. They're, for the most part, sidelined. They have so little screen time that you forget that they exist. They're both like these like fair maiden, virginal, angelic, yeah. willowy creatures. Very pasty skinned. Yes. Yeah. You're like, oh, I wonder if this movie cares about women or not. And then you remember not even a little bit. Um, so then we get into the two towers, and this is when we meet Eowyn, and that's when it's established that she's both a good fighter, but also she is horny for Aragorn for, I mean, reasons that we've argued could make sense, but there's really no reason for her narratively to be interested in Aragorn. Like, the, that choice was made you know, I guess to just like, oh, well, there's a woman in a story and there's heteronormativity all around us. So let's make sure that she's in love with Aragorn so that we can have a love triangle. I don't know if that happens in the books or not. If you're if you're a fan of the books or you've read the books, um, tweet at us and let us know if this love triangle was set up in the books or if this is just a, a change made in the film adaptation. I'd be interested to know that because I'm sort of skeptical I feel like it was something that was added into the movies. Yeah. It's um, a very just, movie to, mood. just to make movie it so that. Move. Yeah. Yeah. So we learn that she wants to fight and that, you know, that's her whole thing, which I think is cool. I agree that she is the most active character. She yeah. has the most agency of any of the other female characters, which is not hard because there's only two other ones and they're basically pointless to the story. We do meet her uncle, Theoden, who is E.J. Smith from Titanic. Oh, I forgot about that major twist. Oh. Mm-hmm. Major mm-hmm. twist. <laughs> the best twist in Lord of the Rings is that the captain from Titanic wears a wig in it. <laughs> it's good. Um, oh. Then there's a scene where Gimli the dwarf is talking to Eowyn. And he's like, it's true. You don't see many dwarf women. In fact, they are so alike in voice and appearance, they are often mistaken for dwarf men. Right. Which Let's is... unpack that. <laughs> I mean, the whole do- the whole way that dwarves are portrayed at moments in this franchise, I think that there are moments where dwarves are portrayed as be- better, but ultimately kind of offensive to the little person community. I'd be interested in like mm. reading thoughts that either the mm-hmm. actors or just the reaction of that community to dwarves as a whole. Because I, I know that dwarves take an even larger role in the Hobbit franchise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, I feel like that's like a I mean, lot, Hobbit right? too, for sure. <laughs> Smaug had, the Smaug head has, has spoken. I mean, they went to battle. <laughs> yeah. I think I mistakenly referred to them as hobbits earlier when I was talking about Hobbit too. Oh. But they are well, dwarves. And there was the to, whole to do. to confuse. What are, so what are dwarves known for? 
What are their like traits? In this world, they are basically capitalists because they oh, right. hang out in their mines, mining their precious jewels and gold mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. They don't want to be troubled with the outside world. They're really just content to be confined to their caves and their, you know, mountains where all their treasures are. So that's the rules that are that's like I think that's like literally what Elrond says. He's like, they care nothing for the troubles of man. And do they all die? Right. Like when they go to that place and they're all bones? There are, yes. Um, I don't think the dwarf race is wiped out completely, but when they go to the the mines of Moria in the first movie, yeah, all of the dwarfs there have been slaughtered by goblins. So, yeah, we don't see... But there's more mines. I think... I'm not really (laughs) sure. Again, I only know what's talked about in the movies, so if there's other information that's in the books, I don't know about that. So I guess what I'm wondering is, yeah, I guess that those traits don't really mean anything in terms of the gender dynamics. But on the one hand, if men look like women in dwarf communities, that's interesting. But also the way he's saying it is like, if you don't look like a conventionally attractive, tall, white woman... And you Are look you like even shit. a woman? <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought that was the implication. I don't yeah. know. Once again, uh, I don't know how to make sense of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lord of the Rings apologist. You it's- should see me watch <laughs> Westworld. I, I can't I, I mean I can't imagine you watching Smaug after, after oh, this man. big Smaug apologies. Oh. And Smaug is a woman. Is Smaug a woman? <laughs> I think Smaug is a woman. Smaug is voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. God damn it. So. Never mind, you're right. I'm mixing it up with the dragon from Shrek. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh-huh. they look super alike. <laughs> I know they're different. Feminist text. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Fiona. Oh, you know. But uh, the whole dragon is a woman with Donkey, very feminist. Oh, yeah. We, mm-hmm. t- we talked about that in our Shrek oh, episode. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, oh I yeah. Listen. I gotta listen. Oh, yeah. Strongest yeah. female character in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so while we're, like, hanging out with Eowyn, Aragorn's all like, here's this new woman. How do I feel about this other woman that I know? And we see different flashbacks where Aragorn's basically like, we can't be together. You shouldn't sacrifice yourself for me telling her like let's end this without really like checking in to see like how she feels about the situation right elrond is all like aragorn's gonna die no matter what and you're gonna be sad about it and then you're gonna have to live on forever being sad because apparently when your loved one dies uh and then you keep living you mourn forever there's no way to get over it and uh she'll just spend her the rest of her immortal life in mourning uh, because, you know, oh. she's just so sad that a man dies that uh, she has to basically just, like, kneel by his grave forever. And that's yeah. the only thing that she can do is what the movie right. is, you know, suggesting will happen. Yeah. Um, but then she she keeps telling people, like, no, I've made my choice. This is what I choose. But no one, like Elrond, Aragorn, they do not respect her choice and they keep trying to convince her to choose something else. I mean, it's her choice. Do I think it's a good choice? Personally, not especially. And also, but, it's like the choice foisted upon her by, well, I don't know. It's a choice foisted upon her by two women and a man. Yeah. Because the Arwen story, that's not you. That's, to my understanding, is not Tolkien. That's like something introduced into the narrative by the movie, which is written yeah. by 66% women. Yeah. Yeah. I really now I want to know what that process was. Well, okay. Yeah. First of all, we've been over this a bit. It was the time. There is like a conventional wisdom, and there was more so then, to how movies were written, where it was like, in those blockbusters, you must have love triangles. Mm-hmm. Sure. And if, I mean, that's still true. Yeah. Yeah. And if women are introduced because they're not the protagonists in this heteronormative space, well, what else are you going to do with them? Right. Like, what mm-hmm. function could they serve yeah. besides being in love with a man? I, I want to live in a world, and I'm sure because this, this franchise is so intensely documented that perhaps there are other drafts of scripts available. <laughs> but I like I mean, because there's so much Lord of the Rings media, I, I would love for there to be a world where the female screenwriters pushed a more progressive female narrative, but because it was 2001, the studio said no. Yeah. So at least there was an 
effort made to give. I, but you know, that's just that's that's my idealistic. Best case scenario dream. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it is something to consider. Like the studio definitely had some impact on this script. I, I hope so. I mean, it's the the narrative now that every time I see a movie that doesn't treat women well or at all that is written by a woman, I sort of go to, we talked about this in the Frozen episode a little bit, where <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, for some reason, it's very well documented how many notes the writer of Frozen, a woman named Jennifer Lee, got during the course of making that movie where the original way the story was written was way more progressive and oh. uh, it, there, it's pretty well documented where she was getting the notes of like, this has to change or we're not going to make it. This has to change oh, or we're not going to make it. Oh, that's great. That makes me feel better. It's, I mean, better and well, worse. Yeah. <laughs> in some, it, it at least gives you some hope in that you're like, writers do want to tell these stories. Right. It's not that they don't want to tell it. It's that uh, men with a lot of money usually don't want to show it. Yeah. Which, I don't, it, it's an empty, it, it does give me some peace. I will say it does give me some peace. Yeah, it gives well, me hopefully some hope. these like studio heads will start to learn that or die. <laughs> right. Honestly, probably die first. They will likely yeah. die before they respect women. And then hopefully but that's fine. be replaced by more progressive people who are willing to fund movies mm-hmm. that showcase women in a more positive light and, you know, not adhere to such rigid gender roles. Yeah. Uh, here's hoping. And with that, let's take a quick break, and then we will be right back. Good idea, Kaylin. Thank you. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. So a little bit more about what happens in The Two Towers. 
we are hanging out with Eowyn a little bit and they're heading to Helm's Deep because all the people of Rohan are in danger because there's Saruman's like launching an army on them basically classic Saruman classic Saruman he loves unleashing so they get attacked by some orcs on these warg creatures and uh Theoden's all like Eowyn like lead the people to Helm's Deep um, because the men will fight and she's like no I can stay and fight and he's like no so she's like trying to make a choice like trying to be active in the story and a man is like no sorry you can't you have to take all the women and children who are so vulnerable and um, put them in caves so that they can be protected so that's pretty much her role for the rest of the movie is that she is stuck in a cave with all of the other women um, because she is not allowed to fight. Meanwhile, Legolas and Gimli are making a literal game out of war. They're like, let's see who can kill more people. Won't right. that bring some levity to war? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, kill more kind of people. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, the Urukai. Although, is there like a racial thing we should address with that? Because I, I just I called them so. kind of people, and now I'm like, ugh. Well, oh. okay, yeah. Let's right. let's yeah. try to unpack <laughs> the racism in the Lord of the Rings trilogy for a moment. Uh, we can start with the racist hierarchy of wizards. In the books, there are like brown wizards, and they're a lower class, uh, and then there's gray wizards, and they're above brown and then the white wizards are the highest class with the wizard hierarchy my understanding was the goal is to get as white as possible exactly yes Yes. so like literally the whiter you get the more powerful you are so that does not set a great precedent right away the goblins the orcs the urukai like all the bad guys generally have darker skin compared to all of the good guys in the movie which are you know men the hobbits the dwarves the elves Mm -hmm are all white as can be. Oh, there's a fun uh, video where you can see a supercut of all of the lines in the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy spoken by actors who are people of color. Mm. Uh, believe it or not, they all play bad guys. Oh, whoa. And it's only, it's like a, less Literally. than a minute long. Wow. Yeah. It's just some of the Urukai who are like, get a fire going. And that's... <laughs> It's, pretty much it. It's so... Oh no, it's so much worse than I w- want to believe. Also, so in the second and third movie, the bad guys in Mordor are recruiting mercenaries to like fill out their army of orcs. Mm-hmm. So we do see some human people, but all of their like recruits are dark skinned, brown, come from lands foreign to whatever like <laughs> Anglo Saxon esque fantasy world that Middle Earth is. It's so vague. It's like it's <laughs> so racistly vague. Yeah. And Peter Jackson makes the same huge misstep in King Kong. Which is where... like at its core the racist story that won't die. Right. Like, yeah, they're... why do they keep making that? Yeah, I'm like, you're not... Know. There are some things that keep getting rebooted. They're like, this time we're going to fix the root problem. I was yeah. like, you can't. That's what the story's about. Just make a different one. Mm-hmm. Just make a different one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there is, like, a weird attempt to, like, have, quote-unquote, racism where dwarves and elves hate each other because when we first meet Gimli and Legolas they're like oh gross a dwarf and he's right. like oh I'll never hang out with an elf and then they become friends by the end and they're like oh yeah. wow well it's weird because it's like you can read I think Tolkien probably meant for this to be an allegory toward groups within humanity and like demographic groups but it's weird when you do that. And I don't think that Lord of the Rings stands alone in this. I think I think a lot of fantasy fiction falls into this trap. But it's like mm. weird when your allegory is like, look at our divisions and factions and prejudices, except we're going to erase any people of color and make R- it all white. <laughs> right. Like it almost seems like these narratives are attempting to be like, let us put this in terms you are comfortable with yeah white people (laughs) and uh, all like in in the same you know like batch of scenes completely disparage the only people of color in the entire movie Mm -hmm. oh man (laughs) i can't call them not quite people anymore (laughs) whatever i kind of people oh Um, man so yeah between all of that and the fact that pretty much every good guy in the movie has blue eyes like not that many people (laughs) in the world have blue. like the ratio of blue-eyed people to non-blue-eyed people 
in Middle Earth is like 50 to 1. Sorry to our blue-eyed listeners. I I see you. I respect you. I cherish you. No, nah, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I'm also half Swedish, so like I have a lot of resentment toward blue eyes, mm. you know, because I didn't get them. Which is fine. I'm fine with it now. But when I was in middle school, you better believe I wore contact lenses. You did? Ugh. Yeah, my mom was like, you want to fix it? <laughs> you can get highlights, too. And I did. <gasps> she was, you know, she just wanted to make me more Aryan. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything wrong with that. Because <laughs> you're part Cuban, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She wanted to stamp out the bad part. Uh, uh, no, the Cuban part is great. Uh like I'm getting myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to on this show it is so hard to not dig yourself a hole. We do it regularly. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is a part of the process. We contain multitudes. I'm it's, problematic. Yeah. <sighs> you know what? I love Orlando Bloom. He's like kind of <laughs> trash. The rumor is that he just undresses all the time. <laughs> what? Which is what? Really? Wait, but you've heard that, right, is, Sophie? Yeah. What? Like he just well, he he just gets naked. That's why there is that photo of him naked on the paddle boat or whatever the fuck it was. Oh, I know that picture. Yeah, because he is. It's like a known thing in dressing rooms that he just strips down doing hair and makeup. That's very which, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, you're that's sexual harassment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But me hearing that at eleven, I would have been like, "That's so you're cool. Like, I want to see that." Yeah, He's they're so, so lucky. open with his co-stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I wish I could be in a movie with him where he's naked <laughs> so jealous of a live tyler <sighs> um all right oh, she doesn't kiss him never mind no. nicholas doesn't kiss he's a hacker in this movie <laughs> he literally doesn't kiss. Right. he's too busy he's like where are computers computers <laughs> need to be invented already <laughs> he probably invents computers in this world he's we don't we don't have lord of the rings world. four but if we did it's called he's... legolas colon hacker he's certainly got the bandwidth for it because he's not interested in the emotions of others and and has no (laughs) romantic interest he's like like do you remember the the part with legolas that made me i was like oh he's a hacker uh (laughs) was right after gandalf was like see ya and you know free fell off a cliff Mm -hmm. and everyone thought he was dead Mm -hmm. everyone is displaying emotion in the way their character would hobbits are openly crying aragorn is like yeah, he's, a, he's smoldering over <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, I think Gimli is crying. Think, yeah. yeah. And then Legolas is just standing there, like, uh, "Why are all you people crying?" He's like, "I'm not gonna." He's like, "I'm not gonna cry for a couple of days, and even then, it will be by myself." <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a hacker. <laughs> uh, quick thing to bring up the Hobbit again. There is like a love triangle that involves him and that Tariel character that gets shoehorned into the Hobbit trilogy. Mm. So oh, I thought maybe Legolas right. was asexual. Yeah, but he is. Um, I prefer Legolas who does not fuck. I I think so too. I think yeah. that was his official title as well. <laughs> yeah, Legolas. That was his uh, official <laughs> elven title. Yeah, Legolas who does not fuck colon hacker. Yes, yeah. son of uh, Megalus who did fuck to have <laughs> Legolas. <laughs> or maybe he Legolas is just chain. the correct combination of zeros and ones. And <laughs> he was made by a, a computer. I think Sauron uh, is a computer. Okay. All right. Sauron, who does not have blue eyes, he has one eye, and it is red, yellow, fire eye. It so. is. But what was it before that, right? We don't see, because he's wearing a mask. mask yeah. But a few things also to mention that happen in Return of the King. Mm-hmm. Um, about a half hour in, Arwen, is, she has made a decision going against her previous decision to go to elf heaven after all. And then that's when she sees the vision of Aragorn and her small child, and she decides to turn back. And she's like, well, if I have the chance to be a mom, I'm gonna go and do that. And I better have a son. (laughs) Right. Motherhood is great. I have a mother. And um, not like you guys. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not trying to disparage mothers in any way or motherhood. But it's so often that a woman's motivation in a movie is motherhood. And if she isn't a mother and it's just like uh, like Westworld like, oh really I don't I, well, um, I can't uh, watch Westworld's a problematic show that I constantly apologize for <laughs> and force Edgar to watch but uh-huh. Fandy Newton's character is motivated 100% by a child that is fake 
that like they designed for her to have. It's implanted memories, and they still ran with it mm-hmm. to the end. Oh God, spoilers! Computers, <laughs> am I right? Computers. Computers. Similar thing happens in like Kill Bill, where as soon as the bride finds out that she yeah. is pregnant, she's like, "Well, I have to drop everything and become a mother, even though I had never expressed that I wanted to be a mother up until now." Mm-hmm. So it's just a thing we, a trope we see in a lot of movies and media, where it's just like, you know, a woman. The idea of motherhood, if that is an option for her, she's like, oh, my God, like this is motivating my every decision. Especially because we know so little about Arwen outside of that. That's like, I think that's the main deciding thing. It's like, it's, you know, obviously, if you want to be a mother, that's totally fine. And like we we at the Bechtel cast will not prevent you from doing so i will but I'll i mean on a will yeah <laughs> i've i've stopped a lot of pregnancies but not abortion or anything just like i've come in and stopped it from coming out yeah she's <laughs> like my hand you, there it's because i will just turn on westworld and all of a sudden no one will be horny anymore yeah. and... oh, i've oh so many orgies i've killed by putting on the finale of westworld <laughs> the worst episode but because we know nothing else about Arwen, that's why that choice is so lazy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the big thing, the big, you know, gender thing that happens in the whole freaking trilogy is when Eowyn disguises herself as a man. She puts on this big helmet. She, she Mulans. She, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. picks up she literally Mulan. She picks up Mary. She's like, we're going to fight in battle together no one wants us to no one's allowing us Mary, to do this in this case would be mushu is that the dragon yes the, the eddie murphy dragon yes yeah. yes <laughs> yeah. sorry i need to make this mulan <laughs> no i understand mulan have you guys done mulan we haven't yet. yet so okay so then so they ride into battle together even though everyone's like women can't fight and she's like well fuck all that fuck the patriarchy i'm gonna fight in this war anyway and it's been established that the king of the Nazgul, the Ringwraiths, he that was gibberish to me. Very, <laughs> he he's a bad guy. And but you said Ringwraiths as if it was it would make us understand. <laughs> like oh yeah yeah yeah, the, yeah. you know the Ringwraith the Ringwraith, you know I was a Ringwraith. It's <laughs> like yeah yeah yeah. Uh-huh. So the king of the Nazgul, his whole thing. The king of the Nazgul. <laughs> That's silly. Okay, sorry. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, (laughs) So uh, the whole thing with him is that he is unkillable. No living man can kill him is what is said in the movie. So in battle at the end of Return of the King, Eowyn is fighting. She is slinging her sword around. She's killing bad guys, sort of. We don't get to see her fight that much. Uh, But then she is confronted the the king of the Nazgul, I don't know if he's named or not. He's right there, and she's like, oh, shit. She chops off the head of his, like, whatever dragon. Not Smaug, but whatever, not whatever flying winged creature that he is on. They fight a little bit, and he's like, you idiot. No man can kill me. And she's like, she pulls off her mask, and she's like, I am no man. <laughs> yeah. Stabs him through the face. His head implodes. Jock and then... jams start playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. So this is, I think, supposed to be this like big empowering moment for women where it's like, holy crap, we <laughs> thought that he couldn't die, but she was a woman, so she can kill him. Yeah. You mastered the, my voice the to it. <laughs> <laughs> The I mean, rules of this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Holy crap. God. The rules of this make no sense and are not explored at all, but we're still supposed to be like, holy freaking crap. I hate when a movie is requesting that I emptily yas queen at the screen without using my brain. I don't like it. It is one of the things that annoys me most in movies. I mm-hmm. hate it, but sometimes it works on me. Sometimes it works and then I get even madder yeah, at myself yeah, later. Too. I'm right. like, man, you fell for it. You got yeah. represented. You got too excited. You didn't realize it didn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. 
it, it feels empty because logically this doesn't really make any sense. Like, why would a female identifying person be able to kill something that a male identifying person isn't able to kill? Like, these rules are just, like, not explored at all. And, it yeah, it feels like a hollow victory. Here's yeah. my apology of it. Okay. Here's my <laughs> attempt. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, like... The myth is that no no one can kill him, no man can kill him, because he's such a good fighter. But he finally met the best fighter who can kill him. But that doesn't... <sighs> this gets back to another thing that annoys me in with female characters. How could she be the best fighter if no one formally really ever taught her? Yeah. Like, this is her first time in battle ever. Or maybe I don't she buy that she'd be the best fighter. costume to fight. Oh, maybe it's the first time she's done it? That's true. I guess she never says, this is my first rodeo. Anyone (laughs) have tips? (laughs) What I hate is that she gives it all up. To be with Faramir at the end, you mean? Yeah. Right, yeah. So she's got this like hollow yes queen moment in the end of the third movie. And then, yeah, and then she becomes like sort of like a fair maiden like the rest of them where it's like, oh, well, my role, now that there's no wars to be had, uh, I can just hang out with this Faramir guy and Ironically, Uma Thurman was considered for this role. Oh, interesting. Uh, interesting. Too powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, she's her face is too sharp. <laughs> she is, she looks, they're like, we need someone who looks uh, more submissive. Yeah. That's mm. literally what it says. <laughs> yeah. She looked too mean. And I was like, oh, I love when people just say, uh, this woman looks too mean. Yeah. So people say that to me all the time. I have resting mean face. And um, anyway. I um, think you have a resting great face. Thank you. <laughs> and if you don't want to be happy, it's still great. I know. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. 
Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. One more thing on on Eowyn uh, I'm reading is, uh, according to the DVD commentaries, an entire set-piece Faramir Eowyn wedding scene was actually filmed. Wow! And ultimately cut and not even included in the extended edition, nor have any photos of the scene ever been made public. But the scene has been described by multiple sources of they went so far as to have them get married on screen. Mm -hmm. So... Well, uh, at least they cut it from the movie, but also the fact that they considered it to the extent where they wrote and filmed it is troubling. Come on. Well. I, what money are they rolling with where they were just like, we're not even going to show this scene to anyone? Was it that bad? They built a whole thing. I don't know. I'd be curious at like, maybe that's, again, I keep going back to the female screenwriters. Maybe they're like. No, but it already got past them because they <laughs> yeah, built a set. Damn mm. it. I don't know. Maybe, hey, maybe there was a female producer at the last minute who was like, we can't. Yeah, like there's And that no was need. like her falling on the sword. Like that was mm. her the last, the only thing she could save. Right. And her name was Uma Thurman. <laughs> also, Eowyn also and Faramir marry in the books, apparently. Okay. Oh. Great. So she has to end up with a man. Maybe not the one she wanted originally, but... You know, you can't be a woman in a story without ending up with a man. And this is ironic. Okay, Faramir and Eowyn had at least one son, Elberon, mm-hmm. and their grandson was Barahir, who wrote the tale of Aragorn and Arwen. Oh. Why was her grandkid being like, remember this guy my grandma didn't fuck? Here's a story about him and his wife. Well, <laughs> weird. do you think they passed on the lore of like, well, grandson, there was a man I wanted to fuck but didn't pass on <laughs> this legacy. <laughs> I really Sitting hope they next brought it. to <laughs> yeah. grandpa, like, yeah. you know who I was my first choice? <laughs> Not this guy. I hope so. I really hope so. Wait, I just remembered a female character that we did not talk about what? yet. Oh my god. The dead bones of the dwarf who died? Nope. <laughs> Shelob the spider. The pronouns she-lob. used for Shelob are female pronouns. She-lob. So I think what we can say here is for Shelob, feminist icon? No. Uh, <laughs> no one in this movie. We Eight. didn't even talk about Gollum. Oh, we did. So Gollum, cute. feminist icon. There we He's go. He's so cute. <laughs> Gollum is a queer icon. I love him. Yeah. I think he is so, Gollum is so expressive and his eyes are so big and he has 14 hairs on his <laughs> gigantic head. Yeah. I love him. I just need everyone to know of course I had a crush on Gollum and I, I don't him. understand. He's cute. so cute. He's always he's uh, and can Andy Serkis the voice? is a genius. No, but Caitlin can. Let's not <gasps> let's not. You said you would I no. <laughs> you okay, you, took, do it. you assumed the position. I'll do it and then I'll probably cut this out. Okay. Mm. Well, do you want to hear Gollum or do you want to hear Smeagol? Oh, <laughs> I'd surprise us. Yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um <laughs> My precious. <laughs> that was perfect. Ah, so good. That was perfect. Oh, Gollum's so oh, cute. Um, hobbitses. <laughs> Something about the hobbitses. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. It's not oh. great. It's not my best work. They're, oh, it's great. Come, give yourself some credit. Yeah, we've been talking for a very long time. I feel like we need to wrap up. We didn't talk about, did we talk about the mom on the... Oh, right, 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 right. There is two female characters with lines. Well, uh, should we talk about whether or not this movie passes the Bechdel test? Yeah, I guess that fits in. Okay, so there is one, well, there's two scenes that are contenders. So let's try to figure this out. Yeah. In Two Towers, the Mm -hmm. second movie, orcs and Urukai are invading Rohan. And there is a mother... It's it's a it's a horse country. Um, it's where it's where um, Captain E. J. Smith of the Titanic. That's his realm and his wig, and his wig. Right, <laughs> the wig that controls his thoughts. So they're about to get invaded by the bad guys, and there's a mother who says to her son and her daughter, 
she's talking to the the boy at first and she says get on the horse with your sister and go to some place and raise the alarm and the little girl's like i don't want to leave i don't want to go mama and the mom says freda so we find out her name mm-hmm. freda i will find you there and then that's it and then they ride off on the horse and we do find out what her name is in terms of the character, but I don't think it's ever spoken out loud by the movie. I don't think is it is correct? either. So, yeah, I would argue that, that I wanted it to pass, but I think if we're going by the movie, I don't buy the argument. It's like, well, she had a uh, 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 name in the book, and it's like, so did Brett McKenzie's character, and people just renamed him Figwit for no reason. <laughs> so right. Also... Well, if you consider the subtext of this conversation, the like the context and the subtext, she's basically telling them to leave because there are several male warriors coming about to like raid their village. Yeah, you so. shall not pass. <laughs> the Bechdel test in the scene, right? <laughs> you shall not pass. That's my Gandalf impression. Also very good. Okay. Really- <laughs> um, and then later in the second movie, Freda is eating soup in, somewhere in, in Rohan. Eowyn is there. Freda says, where is Mama? Eowyn <laughs> says, shh. And this, that's that conversation. <laughs> that, that is as close as we get. Because those characters are both named, but I would argue that Eowyn... That is technically a conversation that's it's communication it's communication it's but verbal communication count as a line of dialogue it depends i would on the say screen. no here okay i'm gonna go ahead and say this movie does not pass the Bechdel test because even if you like wanted to argue the technicalities there's 30 seconds or less of this movie of women interacting in a movie that is over nine hours long yeah that's you fair shall not pass <laughs> the Bechdel test <laughs> Yeah, so this movie does not pass, even though it maybe seems like it comes close. And also, when we say movie, we mean three full three-hour fucking movies. Yeah. Exactly. We didn't have we didn't discuss one conversation that happens in the first three and a half hour movie. <laughs> There's nothing to discuss. Right. <gasps> and those characters, the mother and her daughter Freda, only appear in those two scenes. They have no bearing on the story. Like their scenes could be cut from the movie. Uh, and it really wouldn't change anything. So, yeah, the movie Why doesn't are they even pass. There? I I guess to up the stakes yeah. of the people of Rohan, but yeah. So I'm gonna say that this movie does not pass, and mm-hmm. of course that's mm-hmm. not surprising at all, <laughs> because there are so few women in this entire world of Middle Earth. It's weird because my ex-boyfriend's mom was named Arwen mm, because whoa. her parents loved Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah, but how sad, too. She was named yeah. after this, like, deeply unfeminist movie <laughs> by, like, a very minor, minor character who gets, but I guess, I maybe that, in the book. But her parents were like, she's a feminist icon because she's there. Because she's there. <laughs> she's literally allowed to be there. We had three choices. There. We did what we could do. Galadriel was too hard to Galadriel. say. Yeah. Eowyn <laughs> is objectively not a very good name. <laughs> name. Oh, hmm. Gang, shall we rate the movie on our nipple scale? Hey, what choice do we have? We don't have a choice. This is our burden in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our nipple scale is uh, we rate each movie based on its portrayal and representation of women. Mm-hmm. Zero to five nipples. I'm between a zero and a, a half nipple. I'll go with a half nipple. The movie has a few women in it. Great. Um, not enough. Not enough screen time. I guess the ha- it gets a half nipple instead of a z- zero nipples because of Eowyn's presence in the story and the fact that she has a goal outside of being in a romantic relationship with a man. Also, Gladriel doesn't have that goal, but she's basically there as an exposition. Goal. Yeah, she has yeah. no goals. So... Eowyn has a little bit of agency, but it just, everything feels like a hollow victory with her and with every female character in the story, just because they're mostly framed around the other men in the story. There's a love triangle that makes no sense 
to be there. Galadriel serves a pretty flimsy function just to like deliver exposition and she has pretty much no bearing on the story. Like it's just it's upsetting. Like like you said, Jamie, the movie isn't outwardly hateful toward women and then it's not like saying, Oh, women are gross and bad but it's also not giving them any chance to do anything in the narrative. Yeah. So yeah, I'll give it a half nipple. Um, even though I think that's being generous and my half nipple will go to Smaug. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to give it one tenth of one nipple because I can't give it zero because it, 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 like you said, it is not a franchise that is openly contemptuous of women but i think that in there is the argument that in some ways it that's even a little bit worse because at least when you revisit a problematic film franchise you're just like oh i don't want any part of this anymore this is out of my life and hopefully if history continues in the direction it is it will be a franchise that is by the wayside forgotten because Mm -hmm. people just don't want to see that anymore Mm -hmm. but with this film franchise because it does not put women down and just ignores them it won't go away there's not enough of a reason for people who enjoy these movies to not continue to watch them because they're not espousing you know like bile at you they're not they're not saying shitty things they're just erasing and that is almost like a little bit worse because it's like these movies will never go away there's nothing you know because on paper they're like well they didn't say anything bad Mm -hmm. they just erased everyone they didn't want there Mm -hmm. um so that sucks i guess aon and that's why one tenth of one nipple (laughs) (laughs) and i'm giving it to smaug well you know what i am gonna give this you gave it a half Mm -hmm. you gave it a tenth Mm-hmm. I'll give it like a fourth of a, a nipple because mm-hmm. I do think A wins. A wins. You uh, and McGregor. You and McGregor. <laughs> that moment is something. I think it's very hollow. It's but yeah. it's what so many movies do, where it's like here, here's something. It's what the entire movie of Wonder Woman kind of was. Hot Ooh, take. Hot take. Yeah, it I, felt kind of like I want to revisit Wonder Woman because I think even a year later I would feel different, and I yeah. was riding a high at the time oh, we did yeah. that episode. Same. Oh, I think I cried. Oh yeah, watching it because I was yeah. like, oh, this is beautiful. But that's the thing when I watched Lord of the Rings then versus now. Then I was like, oh, cool. This is fine. Mm-hmm. No problem. Blah. Galadriel talks a lot, <laughs> uh, and there is a step worse, which is Master and Commander. Which has oh, no women no, except yeah. for once, and it's when they're like oogling and they're like, "Ooh, a hot woman." What about the latest? And then there's the latest Chris Nolan movie. Uh, what did I Dunkirk. use? Dunkirk. Boy City. Oh, Boy City. Yeah. Boy City. Yes. Also yeah. Dunkirk. Oh. Ocean. Ocean full of boys. Yeah. Well, it's... at least like Master and Commander has been forgotten. Yes. Like no one revisits that. Oh, Dunkirk. Hope. I don't think I don't anyone's know. gonna be like Boy Ocean forever. I don't think right. so. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully they have the same fate. But yeah. yeah, so I think there is a step worse. Can't give it a zero. And of course, I give that fucking quarter of a nipple to my hero. Her, her uh, Smaug is a she for my purposes. Her majesty. Mm-hmm. Her majesty, the queen, Smaug. <laughs> that gives Smaug from a different franchise 85% of one nipple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> one last thing I do want to say is that Shelob is a spider spiders have eight legs mm-hmm. this is spider facts with caitlin i'm glad alfred molina was not in these <laughs> movies i think he very easily could have been but i think he was busy and i think what he was busy with was spider-man too. i have bad news mm-hmm. he was too brown to be in this movie he was yes. literally and and he's white <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a high bar oh, oh goodness. jesus that that may be true well, Anna, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, too. This was delightful. It was truly an epic. A- yeah. An episode about as long as the movie franchise itself. Yeah. So oh you're welcome, everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Where uh, can we find you on the web? Uh, you can find me at Bad Comics with an X by Anna with two N's uh, on Instagram. I make a web comic about anxiety and depression. It's really And good. also, thank you, yeah. my lactose intolerance. I'm <gasps> very allergic to cheese, but I'm in love. I eat it every day. <laughs> it's my struggle. <laughs> um, and you can also find me on Twitter, same handle, and perform uh, at UCB, uh, my show, The Pickle Hour. Yay. Every month. I yeah. love the pickle hour. Thank you. So Jamie much. is a many time returning guest. And Caitlin, <gasps> we gotta have you on. I'd love to do it That's anytime. Yeah, we'll, we'll set it up <laughs> okay. after this. But yeah. yeah. No, we have to do it right now. Um yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for Jamie. I know that you were reluctant to, you know, talk about an eighteen thousand hour movie. I'm um, such a bitch. I'm I sorry. Still, <laughs> I still enjoy this trilogy. It is very bad at women, but uh, I will watch it periodically at for least, the rest of my life, probably. At least we have Smaug. We have yeah. Smaug. <laughs> uh, you can find us online at Twitter at Bechtelcast. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can contribute to our Matreon. Ooh. $5 a month is two extra episodes of Listener Requests only except for when it's our birthdays and then we pick uh so so join up it's super fun and and a fun way to participate in the community as well uh we love you you're great thanks for listening and infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu.